Welcome to the Soul Traveler Podcast, an exploration of conscious living with your host, Jennifer Mitchell of The Soul Experience. Join Jennifer as she explores the quantum realms of the subconscious mind and all aspects of spirituality. Driven by curiosity and a thirst for knowledge, topics will stretch the boundaries of your imagination and revive your mind, body, and soul. Hello, Soul Travelers. I am so excited to be here today with the lovely Sarah Vittore. Sarah is a somatic experiencing practitioner, multidimensional guide, and an intuitive healer. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Really thrilled to be here with you. Yes, I'm really looking forward to diving right in and talking about all of the fascinating subjects that we were just talking about offline. I'd love if you could give a little bit of a backstory to our listeners today and tell us about what you do and how did you get started in your line of work? Sure. So, yeah, it's just always such a funny question and we all have those winding paths, but I am a somatic experience practitioner. So for those of the listeners who don't know, that means I work with the body and the nervous system and our wiring and help folks rewire and repattern old programs that we might have that are getting in our way and interrupting how we really want to show up and be in our expression in the world. And I'm wrapping up my seventh year of my business. Before this, yeah, it was exciting. Before this, I was a guidance counselor in a high school and stepped into that and was like, oh no, I don't want to work in a system. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) when So I was there for five years and my father's an internationally known sports performance consultant. And so he said, come work for me. And so he blends somatic experiencing, which really works with our mammalian biology and trauma responses. And so while I was working at the school, I did this training and it totally woke me up. I started to realize how stuck in autopilot I was. I was really that perfectionist, good girl following the right way of things and really wasn't able to think for myself or really think about anything else other than to do. And so doing this training, I really started to wake up to what I wanted and what my body needed. And that really led me to quitting my job. I took a medical leave because I was navigating autoimmune illness in my system from all the years of shoving my emotions and overriding my body. Yeah. So that I could start my business and I got pregnant in college. So I have an 18 year old and I have an almost 10 year old. And so quitting my job really allowed me the space to start to be caring for myself and looking at what I actually wanted and what was lighting me up and starting to notice synchronicities and notice how the universe is and all the things that come through. I started to really develop, like now that I can identify it as sort of a spiritual Mm -hmm. awakening, but being able to, yeah, have connections with ancestors and started having really uh, intense dreams and messages coming through in my dreams and started to work with my body and my healing with other folks and have different beings and guides come through that I was working in. And it really just sort of like opened up things for me in my personal life. And then which translated directly into my work. So if I'm hearing that correctly, would you say that the opening and being able to communicate more with guides and the spiritual awakening was a result of releasing those emotions and the trauma that had been trapped in the body? Yeah, so definitely a piece of it. I think the crux of it for me was really about 
connecting with myself, like figuring out who am I under all of these masks that I was wearing and all these roles that I was playing and through being able to differentiate that out. Because I was always someone very empathetic and would really take other people's energy Mm -hmm. like into my body and get confused. I couldn't like what's mine, what somebody else's. And so through being able to identify my own alignment and center and with that working and processing and letting my body release whatever I was holding, a lot of ancestral trauma that, I mean, we all do that we're carrying. Both my ancestries are Ashkenazi Jews that come from Russia and Lithuanian areas. So there's a lot of that I was holding. Both my parents had grown up in really challenging environments with a lot of abuse. So I had a lot of abuse patterns in my body that weren't mine that I really had to clear. And then through doing that, there was more space. There was more space to be able to receive. I was more present. I could notice and feel and sense the different things that were coming in in a way I had never been able to before. And that's interesting. I wanted to ask that question because I'm a quantum healing practitioner. And so a big part of what I do is releasing the trapped trauma that's in the body and oftentimes we find, just as you're saying, it's linked to ancestral trauma. Uh, there's a lot of past life linkage where stuff that we're carrying, where our soul had journeyed from another life and they're still holding on to this piece of that previous lifetime. They just can't let it go because it impacted the soul so deeply. And of course, you know, childhood wounds. And so we bury these emotions so deep inside the body. And it's like digging and digging when we try to find what's the root cause? When did that first appear? Why are we holding it? So I ask a lot of those questions under hypnosis with the quantum healing. And I have been finding my clients will contact me oftentimes, maybe weeks, even months later, that they're like, oh, my goodness. I've had two people contact me and say that they think that they're going through a kundalini awakening. (laughs) And so it's amazing that when we, when we clear the channel, like you're saying, what that opens us up to, like what can happen and what can come through. And it's also, we're carrying around so much stuff that we're not even aware of. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I got just full body chills as you were saying that and sort of like creating that space that then is a lot, things are allowed to come through. Yeah. And I blame it on my background because I used to be in banking and I used to have to do root cause analysis and roadmaps, but I'm always like, what's the root cause? How long has that been there? Like I, when I start digging and find out like a lot of times people are holding stuff in their chest or their stomach is really common and what is that doing to the body? Like, why don't they want to let that go? It's real interesting. The subconscious mind plays a huge part in that too, is what I find. Um, you know, I had a client a couple weeks ago that had this anger in the stomach and didn't want to let it go. And when I asked yeah. the subconscious to let it go, it's like, no. Right. <laughs> and I said, why not? Why do we want to hold this anger? And they're like, because it's protect. This anger keeps him safe. And so then yes. I was like, okay, safe from what? And so we started like digging deeper and deeper. So do you kind of find those things as well with your work as a somatic practitioner that the subconscious maybe or at some level we want to hold on to these things? Yeah. So it's always so interesting to talk to other practitioners and other modalities because I find like we all have these different ways in and ultimately we're all sort of moving through things in similar ways. So for me, it's less about the why mm-hmm. and more on just letting the body be in the expression. So our bodies have these just amazing, organic, intelligent 
ways that we process and integrate. And so when we create the space for the body to be an expression, whether we know or don't know, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that space and safety allows the body to unwind and unfold and express. And so what I'm doing with my clients is helping them track how the nervous system shows up and to complete Mm. patterns that might have been stuck. Like if someone got into a car accident, which is a really concrete example, and we can't escape the car, um, right? And we can't have that flight escape or we can't stay and fight that. We're trapped. We get stuck. And so then the body might have fear when we get in the car. Mm. We might have a shoulder thing that happens or we might have pain. And so in my work, whether you're coming to my office or having a retreat and I'm hands-on with you or we're sort of online in that way, we're tracking the body mm-hmm. together and it's the clients building awareness within their system around what's happening so it can release. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting that really stuck with me when you're talking about being in a car accident. <laughs> I have unfortunately been in quite a few of them and it, it's interesting. None of them were my fault. I think I was just like, when I was younger, I was a really bad defensive driver or I was like a magnet for car wrecks. I'd been hit by drunk drivers. Or my car got wrapped around a tree, also went through a brick wall. And so there's a lot, like when you were talking about that, I just felt that. And I've done my own work, mm. but I still feel like that resides in the body. The body remembers everything. And for me, it manifested as yeah. low back, uh, yeah. a lot of low yes. back pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's taken a yeah. lot to get through that. <laughs> Yeah. And if I had you closer to me, because I think we're in very different parts of the country here, I'd get you on my table and we would have you on and allow your body to finish. That sounds like there's a lot of stacked stuff that I'm sure in your work, you go in and there's a layer and another layer and another layer. And all of that comes into play and interrupts how we want to show up and also feeling good in our bodies. Yeah, definitely. Hazel Travelers, pardon the interruption, but I just have to tell you about quantum healing hypnosis because one session forever changed my life and now I'm living my purpose to help others just like you. I was so lost in my life and absolutely miserable in my career until I received the guidance needed from my higher self. Now I'm spreading awareness about the life-changing modality of quantum healing hypnosis. In one single session, we will spend the day journeying deep into your subconscious mind and unlock the hidden wisdom within. We'll revisit a past life, explore what your soul does between lifetimes. Your subconscious mind will scan your body, looking for health concerns and perform self-healing. They'll even connect directly to the Akashic records so that you can get your most important life questions answered. Quantum healing hypnosis is absolutely nothing like a traditional hypnosis session. And you know that everything is 100% legitimate because nothing is being filtered through a third-party practitioner and your higher self will never misguide you. Your session is audio recorded so that you can listen back and play all of the advice that your higher self spoke to you under hypnosis. So if you're ready for personal growth and a positive change, then it's time to discover the essence of who you truly are. Book a session with me today at thesoulexperiences.com. Now back to the show. I'd love to switch gears a little because I'm really intrigued with dreams and the dream world. And I have a dream journal by my nightstand, Sarah, but it's empty (laughs) because I cannot remember anything. So what would you say to someone like me if I was like your client? Like, why can't I remember my dreams? Is there something that I can do? I feel like every night like someone just knocked me out and I wake up and it's just 
There's nothing. <laughs> yes. It's one of my favorite topics. So I am a self-taught dreamer. Mm-hmm. So I was a kid who didn't ever remember dreams. It wasn't ever something that I had access to. And in through this awakening, I started to pay more attention because I was focusing on other things and getting curious. And so I've been playing with dreams on my own for quite some time. And in that same dilemma of going through cycles and periods of time where I can't remember anything, and then cycles and periods where I yeah, there's a lot of messages coming through mm-hmm. and a lot of dreams are coming through. One of the things that I've learned in order to increase recall, especially if we feel like we're not dreaming, yeah. would be to, you're writing down, I don't remember. So we're tracking even if you don't remember. So in that dream journal, I'd invite you to take that out. <laughs> And to write down, I don't remember anything. Or to write down, oh, I feel unsettled when I woke up. Or I feel happy when I woke up. So to be identifying Mm -hmm. sensations or emotions that are arising. Because we're all dreaming. We're dreaming multiple times a night. And it's just about whether or not we're recalling the dream. One of my favorite practices to do to start to really cultivate a relationship with what I would call like the dream weaver or the dream maker is really honoring the night. And that would be through a journal. Like I pick up my journal in the morning, like this morning, I felt unsettled when I woke up, but I don't, I know something happened. I know I was somewhere, but I don't quite remember it. And so I'll write that. And then the other thing that really started to shift things for me with recalling dreams was I had a story in my head about dreams that if I didn't remember it right when I woke up, then that was it. And I wouldn't have access to it. Isn't that true? And it's not true. It's not true. So I changed the story and I started to say to myself in the morning, if it's important, the pieces of the dreams that are meant to come through will come through. Mm. And then what would happen is I'm driving and I see a rabbit and then that triggered that there was a carrot in my dream right? Or I'm having an interaction with my 10-year-old and then I'm realizing he was in my dream and we were like in the ocean. So there are ways that our daytime then can Mm -hmm. spark the memory of the night dream and getting rid of the story that if you don't write it down right away, then it's gone. Really for me personally helped frames of dreams come in different ways. So that's something that's been a huge, that shifted things significantly. And now that you say that, you're right. It's all programming because I've heard that too. If you don't write it down right away, it fades really quick. And so to your point though, there was a time last week when something very similar to what you just said happened. I was driving in the car and something popped in my head. And I was like, did I dream about that? And I second guessed it. I was like really unsure. And then I was like, I feel like I had a dream about this. And so, yeah. okay, so that makes sense. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start writing down and maybe reprogramming my mind. You know, my dreams don't fade away. I will get pieces of important information. Yes. <laughs> and really, like really trusting and mm-hmm. developing a relationship with this dream weaver. And as you're going to bed, so there's a practice that I learned from one of my teachers, Wilka Roy, called dream incubation, mm. where basically you're picking Um, a question or a theme that you'd like to receive information on it during your nighttime hours. And you hold that for like at least seven days. And so every night you're going to bed with holding the question, like, what can I know more about this? Or what can, what message from an ancestor can you share with me? And, but you're holding that 
same incubation over a time period and doing that consistently. Like the first time I played with this, I did the same one for a month. Mm -hmm. and really devoted, like every night I'd say the same thing as I was falling asleep. And I, as I'm going to bed, I say, I sleep to dream. I sleep to dream. I sleep to dream. And then that in the morning would like, I'd get different messages. So starting at night to just acknowledge the dream space as you're going to bed and holding an incubation can also increase dream recall. Someone like me who doesn't remember anything, is that like a result of trauma or what, do, what would you say about that? So I think in some ways, oftentimes for folks that aren't remembering things, there's a lot of stuff that's going on during the day. Mm -hmm. So I go through spells where I'm not remembering anything and it's because there's usually a lot that's up, whether I'm working with a lot of clients that are processing a lot of stuff. And so that's in my field or personally within my family system or stuff that I'm navigating with that's up. So sometimes it can be a signal that there's just a lot going on and you're being guided to pay more attention to what's happening in your day. The other practice that can be really helpful with sort of day focus is looking at what I would call a daydream. There are lots of things that happen in our lives that feel dream, that feel like they could be a dream. One time I was driving home from a journey dance class and I was in this big open field and a big owl swooped down right in front of my car out of nowhere and then into the field and went after something. And that was just like a very powerful moment for me. And to me, that was like a daydream. So I went home and I wrote it down as if it was a dream. So for those folks who aren't dreaming at all or were not remembering any dream, that can be a really powerful way to just get in the groove of like writing down like synchronicities that we want to name as a daydream or other things that are happening in our lives that feel magical or fantastical or multidimensional or have different layers that are coming in. And that can often then generate the nighttime remembering. So when our dreams feel like so vivid that it feels more like reality, it, does that mean that we're in the astral world? This is what's so cool about dreams for me, that there isn't one answer mm -hmm. to that. Anytime we're dreaming, there can be lots of different layers and experiences that are happening. So it could be the astral world, or we could be looking at it as a past life, or we could be crossing over into another dimension and having another experience. So there are lots of different ways to be in that, which is why I think dream work is can be so fun and so insightful because we can take one dream or one image that happens and turn it in these different ways, like a prism almost, and see the different perspectives on what it could be. I love that. That's so amazing because I have always a question too. Like when sometimes when I do remember my dreams, they're so vivid and I was like, did I go somewhere? <laughs> and I wake up questioning and because it just feels so real. And usually those types of dreams though, when they feel so real, they're not positive dreams. <laughs> and yes. I, at least I've noticed that for myself anyways. And yeah. to someone who wants to connect more with their ancestors. Now, yeah. how can somebody do that? What advice would you give us? So in the context of dreaming or separate? Actually both. I'd love to know both what, what you would say. Ancestors can be tricky. Mm -hmm. So for me, like when I look at my immediate ancestors, they're not great people. They're pretty abusive and scary to think about connecting mm -hmm. with and not help. 
And so the first thing that I'd recommend to anyone who's curious about like exploring ancestor work is knowing that when we go far back enough, back and back and back, there are the well ones. There are the healthy generative ancestors that have a lot of wisdom and knowing for us before all of the trauma and the way that sort of the world interrupts all of that. So that can be a pretty powerful sort of just initial recognition for us when we're unsure. Because I think a lot of times, particularly for us healers, we're working with a lot of the dysfunction from our ancestors, like the patterns in our body, Mm -hmm. the stuff that's not so great. And just as equally as the stuff that's not so great from our ancestors, we get gifts and healing potentials and real power from our well ancestors. And so for me, what started my practice was starting an altar, like that I devoted to my ancestors. So I had been to Russia in my junior year in college and I had this matroshka, which is the stacking dolls, the dolls that are in the doll. (laughs) Me too. And I have a purple one and I loved it when I saw it. And it just really has that vibration for me of ancestry and family. And so for a while, that was my ancestor altar. I had that in a little corner and I would just go to that altar and acknowledge my ancestors on a weekly basis and just having light a candle or having a breath. And that was the way that I started to be in that connection. The second way for me, I started to get really explore Jewish magic. And because for me, all of my ancestors are, are Jews. And so really starting to follow the threads that were appealing to me within Mm -hmm. the customs and practices. I grew up honoring and celebrating Jewish holidays, but we weren't super religious. And so it wasn't something that was forced on me, but it wasn't something that stuck with me. And so over the last, I think, five years, I've really cultivated a relationship to my heritage. And through that, when I started going down that rabbit hole of, oh my God, there's this thing as Jewish magic. And like, we use the moon cycle for our calendar. Are you kidding me? There was all this stuff that started to come up that I already was doing intuitively in my spiritual practices that actually were really rooted in my ancestry. And following that, the more I followed that, the more I was getting messages and communications coming in. It like opened up the ability to be in dialogue. It's very similar to dream work. If we're going to honor the dream weaver, right? I'm honoring my ancestors mm-hmm. with an altar, with learning more about my ancestry. Then I'm getting more communication. Then more things are coming through for me. I had never thought about that. <laughs> Jewish magic. I'm Italian. So maybe like Italian magic. Yeah. And using that as a way to also connect more with those positive, yeah. those well ancestors that you're talking about. Yes. And I have my sibling has been really working with ritual baking. Oh. And being in creating an altar before they start uh, prepping their ingredients mm-hmm. and the food and having an intention about how they want to um, be receiving and then allowing ancestors to come through as they're in that real tangible experiential process of being with the hands and getting in the dough and being with the baking and the baked goods that they come up with are just, (laughs) you can taste like the deep richness of sort of the layers of connection. We were talking offline, my husband is Jewish and I'm Italian. So he keeps wanting me to make 
kugel, his grandma's kugel, but he doesn't have the recipe. And so I keep trying to make it, but somehow it keeps turning out more like a lasagna. <laughs> and I put like orange and I try putting like cinnamon in it. He's like, that's not her recipe. And I'm like, it's really hard. I'm going on the internet and I'm finding these recipes. <laughs> so maybe yes. if you have a Google recipe, you could share it. But I was going to say, he needs to get into that kitchen and connect with his great, great, great grandmother. <laughs> Bless his heart. He doesn't know how to boil water, barely. Really, he asked me, well, how do I know when the water is boiling? <laughs> I don't think I him not wanting to cook, though. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> because I don't think he really was legitimately asking. I was like, but he did. He's like, how do I know when it's boiled enough? And I love to cook. So it's it's something that I'm actually passionate about awesome. doing. <laughs> Great. So I have another question. So we talk about coming in and stepping into our spiritual gifts. What advice do you have for somebody who's looking to amplify those spiritual gifts, whether it's through dream work or through another practice? So I think, again, this is another question that could be answered in a variety of ways. And it really comes down to when we know our center and ourselves, following what resonates and leaving everything else out. <laughs> and oh. I think that can be hard. We've got lots of different information coming at us that like do it this way or this is how it works. And really just giving yourself permission to be like following that. And so for me, it comes like when I'm in moments of amplification or I'm in expansion mo moments and I know I need to widen or deepen or really be in more visibility I have to create more space for myself. It really comes down to where are my spaces? And as a homeschooling mom who's running her own business out of the house, like that's a hard question, to, like a dilemma that I find myself in often. But when I prioritize spaces that are just for me, that have nothing to do with my business or the direction I think I'm trying to head in or my kids, and I just allow myself to be in those spaces. I will go outside. I'll bring a bag and I'll let myself, oh, do I want to pull a card? Do I want to dance? Do I want to just sit here and breathe? But letting my soul come through and animate mm -hmm. what I'm wanting to, that really is sort of the gateway for me in terms of like when I'm at that transition point or a precipice of something new coming in. That's one thing. The other thing for me in terms of just what I know about the body and working with my guides is like nighttime is a really potent place to set intentions for the body and spirit to work in the background mm. while you're in that deep restorative state. So like our parasympathetic response is like when we're in sleep and that's really when everything heals and really there are the hours <laughs> that guides come and visit and there's sort of the veils are thinner and we can have access to more. But as I go to sleep, depending on what I'm holding or working on or want to be in, I'll make intentions for that nighttime space and ask guides to come in and help my system amplify. Or if I'm working on clearing something, I'll call someone in to help support that container. So spaces that we're conscious in and then really working with our unconscious sleep states in a more direct conscious way. One thing that you said I'd like to actually go back and touch on was you're talking about yeah. the hours that our guides can come in. So talk to me. Can you expand a little bit more about that? What hours do guides come in or is the veil thinner based off of your experience mm -hmm. and knowledge? 
Yeah. So again, this is another, and it's going to be individualized for me. There is something around probably 3 to 4.30 a.m. time. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I was wondering yeah. if you'd say that. Yeah. yeah, where I'm up or I can feel more in my system. I also, for me, as I'm falling asleep and as I'm waking up, so those transition states can be also really potent to pay attention to and like I definitely play with stretching that time yeah. to see if I can stay in that space and feel who's coming in or who might be with me or ask specifically for someone to come that I might be working with. But I, yeah, I definitely find those early morning hours or, you know, on a full moon, it might be most of the night that I'm in and out of a meditative state as opposed mm -hmm. to sleeping, um, depending on what things are happening with planets that can cover the different things that are going on energetically, like that can then amp my system up. And then I'm not sleeping per se. I'm just in and out of deep meditative spaces and work with guides. It's such a magical space right there in the morning. And as we're falling asleep, that trance-like state, we work a lot with that with the quantum hypnosis as well and really yeah. extending that because there's a lot of information and downloads that can really come through in that space. Yeah, love that. Yeah. I love if you could tell listeners a little bit about where they can find you online. How can they work with you? Drop your socials. Like, where can we find you? <laughs> so I am on Instagram <laughs> at Sarah.Vittori, and Sarah doesn't have an H. <laughs> and you can find me on Facebook at Expand Your Capacity. And my website is just sarahvittori.com. And my website's a great place because I have a pretty active blog that I've been on for seven, but that I've had since my business opened. And so there's a lot of resources on there and all of the different offerings. So I also have a podcast called Multidimensional Transmissions. And I hope Jennifer will join me for an episode too. I'm going to talk to her about that after. So you can find that on my website. I've interviewed multi-passionate, yeah. multidimensional folks who are doing just really neat things in their work in the world as a mirror for us all that we don't have to be just one thing. <laughs> We're a combination mm -hmm. of lots. And that's what you'll find on my website. I do a lot of different things. So I do offer dream work one-on-one -on -one, and I offer a group program. We're just wrapping up the first iteration called Whispers from Dreams. It was a six-month journey with a small group of dreamers and we did dream circle work together and all sorts of different things. So that's been amazing. And I offer one-on-one um, -on -one work. So I have somatic healing work that I offer virtually and in person and also somatic coaching for folks. And I have a couple of retreat offerings where I work one-on-one -on -one where someone comes, I'm in Massachusetts, so someone comes to New England and I put you up for a weekend and it's called Spacious and it's really about being in that one-on-one -on -one and dedicating the space for yourself separate from the environment that you're in to have some really massive healing and expansion unfold for you. So all of those things are on my website. Massachusetts is absolutely on my travel list. <laughs> I definitely awesome. want to go there. Yeah, it's on my, to my top five. So hopefully I can come and visit you one day. And I would love to also guest, of course, on your podcast. That would be amazing. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today, Sarah. I appreciate all of the wisdom and guidance that you've shared with me and listeners. And I can't wait to connect with you again on your show. Yeah, great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by The Soul Experience, quantum healing hypnosis. 
Are you ready to embark on an inward journey of quantum healing? Quantum healing hypnosis is the most profound method of inner work and self-healing someone can do while on a spiritual path. In a single session, you experience past life regression, exploration between lifetimes, self-healing performed by your subconscious, release of trapped trauma, and answers to your most important life questions. Your higher self has a message for you and is here to help you and guide you on this life journey. Book a session today with Jennifer Mitchell at thesoulexperiences.com.